because it must, because you were born with these, uh, these desires, needs, aspirations um, within you. And you were born uh, with the ability to achieve, to achieve the highest end of your birth chart. That was Dina DeCastro, and this is episode 34 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden. I'm a professional intuitive and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. This is season two, and in it, we're exploring healers, specifically how they got here, how they do their healing magic, and the beliefs they have that guide them forward. We're also taking a peek at the specific practices they have in place to keep themselves healthy, Let's face it, being a badass in a sensitive body is no joke, and the healers I interview share their strategies for staying healthy while healing the world. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I am really excited to be sharing an interview that I did today with uh, Dina DeCastro, who's this fantastic evolutionary astrologer. Um, We have a fantastic conversation on what evolutionary astrology is, how it works, how it can be helpful in getting to know ourselves and continuing to know ourselves and how it can really act as like a healing modality. So that is coming up in just a few minutes. But first, I want to share a couple of updates with you. So I'm going to keep personal news really short because I realize I've been talking about my hair way too much, so I'm not going to do that today. Um, Instead, I'm going to talk more about some exciting businessy things that are coming up. I may have mentioned this a while ago, but y'all, I'm getting a new website and it is almost done. It's been almost done for a couple of months, but we've had some snafus and now it's like really almost done and it is Frickin' gorgeous. So Rebecca Woodmass of Queer IT, queer, uh, queerit.co uh, has designed it and is do- working with it and finishing it up. And it is so freaking gorgeous uh, using the pictures that I did with Amy Walsh and the photos that I was able to take with the lovely ladies of In Her Imagination or In Her Image Photo. It's awesome. I can't wait. So that's coming up and I just want you to be prepared because it's quite a different uh, aesthetic and feel to the current website I have. It's less kind of, oh, high tops and curly hair and much more, you know, sacred geometry, some darkness, sacredness, fun, surprises, delight. It's going to be amazing. So I just want you to know that that's coming and to keep your eyes out because I'm really excited for it. Also, some exciting news. There is a new in-person sanctuary going to be coming up, hopefully, in the next year at my home. At my home, southeast of Renton, or southeast of Seattle, in the beautiful Renton Highlands, kind of snuggled up against the base of Cougar and Squawk Mountain. We are going to be, I am going to be building a sanctuary 
a place where I can host you for your healing transformations for working one-on-one with me, and then also for doing sound baths and hosting small gatherings and potentially teaching small groups of my school. I am so excited about this, you guys. Like we're we're actually moving past the dreaming phase and starting to look at permitting and budget and costs and things like that. So things are getting real. My goal is that by this time next year, I have an in-person space for you to come out and relax because I know that you probably know that I moved last year out to this space, but I don't know if you guys know, I actually I live on an acre of land and it's quiet and it's gorgeous and we have all these birds and we have bunnies and we have coyotes and deer and just this beautiful sanctuary and I really want to make it a place you know like a destination place where you can come and you know have 90 minutes to two hours of work with me or you have your class time with me and it feels like a retreat from city life. So those of you who are in the Seattle area, you know, keep your eyes open because this is something that's going to be happening and it's going to be amazing. And I am Pinteresting the fuck out of it. It's going to be so much fun. I love designing things, by the way. That's like one of my favorite things. Okay, speaking of the school, this is really important. This is really what I wanted to talk about. So what are y'all doing next year? Because the School for Sacred Rebellion is going to be open for enrollment. In fact, the first class, the prerequisite class to everything in the School for Sacred Rebellion is enrolling right now for January and February of 2019. If you have ever felt like you have this inkling that like, I sometimes just know things and I don't know how I know them, or You know, maybe you get visitations or maybe you take on other people's emotions. But anyway, if you felt like, wow, I'm highly sensitive, I'd really like to develop some of my intuitive gifts and learn about myself on the way, the School for Sacred Rebellion is the place for you to be. And I say that not to try to sound like salesy, but because I want you (laughs) You know, and I say that, you know, on my website for all of you who have been told you're too much because the way that you look at the world is not the way that other people look at the world. I want you. I think that your too muchness is exquisite. I think that you are wired to be something different in the world, to be something bigger. And I, I would be honored to be the person who helps you figure out how that works for you. So my School for Sacred Rebellion is, is, has two parts. The first part is let's have fun learning about energy management in a class that I call spiritual hygiene. It's a class that every healer, empath, therapist should take to learn how to protect and clean our energy spaces. So you brush your teeth every day. Awesome. Do you clean your aura? And if you don't, it might be a big part of the overwhelm um, and the and fatigue that's felt. I know that when I learned these tools, my whole life changed. So, I, I, and I know that like there's a lot of people saying that it sounds kind of cheesy, but I'm I'm not kidding. My perception of myself, my perception of how I interacted with the world, changed completely, and it's done the same thing uh, for my students. So. 
Um, part one includes that class and then um, uh, an aura healing class called Activating the Healer. Because look, here's the thing. I believe that if you're attracted to these classes, you're already a healer. You're already intuitive. I'm just helping you remember how it works for you. I'm teaching you a little bit of structure. I'm teaching you some um, energy mechanics. You can kind of wrap your head around these things. And your natural intuitive gifts are going to shine through. And that is so awesome and exciting when that happens. So the School for Sacred Rebellion is going to be enrolling um, in Activating the Healer probably in March, which means that you have two chances in January to take the prerequisite class for all of the other classes. And that class is called Spiritual Hygiene. In the past, it's been called Sensitive Self-Defense. So if you are a graduate of Sensitive Self-Defense or my old program, Capability, then you already have the prerequisites you need. You just need to have a little chit chat with me. Spiritual hygiene is, a, like I said, a basic energy management class, but it's that makes it sound really boring, and it's not really boring. <laughs> this is about getting to know you, your gifts, how you operate in the world, and learn some really basic tools to help you stay sovereign, to help you separate from the energy that you pick up on a daily basis, and to get your energy back from situations that were really draining. If you're out in the world helping other people, whether that's your neighbor, your kids, kids, seriously, this is, these are great tools um, to work with kids. They're great tools for kids, but they're great tools to work, work with kids. Or you're out actually working on clients in some capacity, having to hold space, um, working on bodies. This is a really, really great class. And I have two opportunities for this class. The first one is an in-person only so no online in this one. And that one is Sunday, January 13th. It's from 10 to 4. It's a one-day intensive. And it's going to be held in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle at the beautiful Seattle Sound Temple. You guys, the energy in there is so badass. It's like such an amazing sanctuary. So we're going to be chilling at the Seattle Sound Temple from 10 to 4, January 13th. I'm going to bring a lot of jokes. You're going to be in psychic kindergarten. That's what I call spiritual hygiene. It's super fun. The next opportunity for you will be on, uh, I believe, Saturday, February 9th. Um, and I've actually got to add, the, add this to my website today. But Saturday, February 9th is your online option. And that's also going to be from 10 to 4. So if you are, you know, not in the Seattle area and you don't want to make the pilgrimage here, I would really love to have you in the online class. Um, you'll learn the same tools. They are just as effective if you're learning them online in a group versus learning them in person in a group. Um, and with both of these classes, you're going to get, a, a, you know, a, a manual that explains all of the tools. It's over 100 pages. You're going to get support from me, follow-up support in an energy check. You're going to have a whole new, you know, group of people to study with um, and to pass tools off. And you're going to be involved in the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. You're going to get to join that course and speak with other graduates and get to practice your tools on an ongoing basis. So I would really, really love for you to join. Those are the two options. The the exchange, the cost for those classes for either one is 297 
and there are payment plans available. Okay, so if, if price is an option, I have a few sliding scale spots available um, and I can do payment plans. So I would really love to see you in one of those classes. I would be super honored if this were the journey that you choose to do, to, to take on with your spiritual development. And I've got lots of graduates and people in the class now who, if you want to talk to some, you know, people who are in it and loving it, um, I will set you up with them. All right. Without further ado, I want to switch gears and introduce my guest today. I heard about Dina DeCastro from Slade Robertson's podcast, Shift Your Spirits, which Slade, you're still doing a fantastic job. And I just knew that I needed a reading with her. I love astrology and I work with um, another astrologer primarily, but um, it was it's it was really nice to have um, Dina's perspective. And I love um I love both perspectives. I just absolutely love both perspectives. So um, Dina DeCastro is an astrologer and writer in Portland, Oregon, and has been a practicing professional astrologer for 19 years. You guys, she's the real deal. She received an advanced level certification through Stephen Forrest's apprenticeship program in evolutionary astrology and offers readings and instruction from the evolutionary perspective. As a former college instructor, she now channels her passion for teaching into an astrology mentorship program. In this one-on-one program, she works with beginning and intermediate students. She also holds a master's in English and loves to write. She is currently working on the second draft of her first novel, A Young Adult Fantasy. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dina. I yeah. think that what I want to focus on here is your your focus on evolutionary astrology. So yeah. can you talk about, you know, the the different perspective that that gives? Absolutely. Uh, so when I first started out as, a, as an astrologer, I was coming from the more traditional perspective, the more pop psychology perspective too that is out there uh, that is descriptive. Okay, so you'll see that a lot in online material. And it's not that it's wrong or that it's bad, but it is limited if you were to just stay in that, uh, in that box, which is to say, you're a cancer, so therefore you're very nurturing and you want to be a mother. And, you know, it's that kind of astrology that is, um, I found to be limiting at a certain point. And so I started to search for uh, my own teacher uh, mentor. And I found Stephen Forrest uh, through a conference at Norwalk. And I, I resonated with what he was talking about, which is, you know, the chart has so much more to tell us than who you are, because we are always changing and evolving. And that's where we get into evolutionary, you know, as a term. It is that we are here evolving as souls. We're always growing and changing as everything in nature does. And so then how can we use the chart to help us do that? You know, help us to grow in alignment with what our souls came here to do. So that's what turned me on to this as an approach, the idea that, that there's this whole other dimension that I wasn't seeing 
uh, and a lot of other astrology that I had become aware of up to that point. And in practice, I began to see how it really is a healing modality. You know, astrology, not that other branches of astrology aren't also healing modalities, and they all have their wisdom, absolutely. But for me, this approach spoke to how I believe and think about the nature of life and the soul, and it includes um, a belief in reincarnation or at least genetic memory. You know, if, if somebody doesn't buy reincarnation or, or feels uncomfortable with that, I always say, well, the soul has a history. You know, we come from somewhere. We come from ancestral lineage and we come from, uh, you know, that, so that genetic memory is there too. And it's a both and for me. I mean, we carry in us the past and we're changing and transmuting and transforming that material as we move forward in life, as we learn. So it's just, you know, I think a powerful, incisive tool for personal development and healing and growth. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so beautiful. And the evolutionary component intrigued me so much. I think I first heard of you on Slade Robertson's podcast. And I I was driving in my car on a really rainy day into my office. And I was like, I need to talk to this woman. <laughs> I love what you were saying. And, and for me, with my background in um, environmental science, and I love the study of evolution. And just for me, it really, um, you know, evolution just meaning that things change, they adapt, we evolve, we're always growing. And I've taken that same concept to apply it to some of the, the spiritual teachings too. A lot of what we're teaching right now needs an evolutionary lens you know yeah. for example like the masculine feminine dichotomy that everyone's teaching it just doesn't really align anymore with what we are you know coming to learn about you know gender and how we're talking about these things in the new day right. age and so anyway i was just very attracted to this concept um, of evolutionary astrology and I've done a lot of astrological readings or had a lot of astrological chart readings done in my life. It's something that I use as a tool to help. I always say it kind of helps me map the chaos. Yeah. Right. If that makes, you know, if that makes sense, it's a way to, to put a kind of a grid over what's happening and, and understand really what it is that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been really nice. Um, but I, I receiving a reading from you was so it gave such a really such an interesting perspective, because you, the readings that you do in evolutionary astrology are kind of based on this idea that your chart is this way for a reason, yeah. you are built this way for a purpose. Yeah. And there's something that is so comforting right to know that like there's a reason that yeah. this is right that, that that this is that way so can you talk um a little bit about how evolutionary astrology can help us you know honor who we are and how we're made absolutely that's such a key point um and it's the foundation of everything i do really uh, in this work is to validate uh, people for who they are how they are wired, uh, and to honor that, to honor uh, 
for example, you know, if you have indicators in your chart that you're particularly a sensitive type, as as I do, and I remember getting a reading uh, from an evolutionary astrologer about 12, 13 years ago, where she said, you know, your sensitivity is your strength. Do you know that? And I started just immediately crying <laughs> because I realized I had been carrying around this idea that my sensitivity was my weakness and my empath my you know empathic abilities were my weakness and feeling very beat up about that. And I had a mother who was extremely also sensitive and empathic and also um, had some mental uh, it some mental illness, mental health issues. And so I also was afraid, you know, of how mm -hmm. being sensitive could make me go down a scary path for me. Mm -hmm. But it was, as you say, like comforting in such a huge way to understand that sensitivity in my chart on a whole different level and to embrace it as a strength. It's like you were given this as a, as a gift, not as something to punish you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, like granted, yes, I understand that all of us can, under, you know, we sometimes experience sensitivity as a hardship mm -hmm. and, you know, there's, sure, there is that aspect to it. I mean, and clearly I believe that sensitivity is a power and a gift and a strength. That's what we do here. Um, and that, you know, because of a lot of cultural conditions, we're so often taught that it's not. And we feel like, you know, really delicate flowers or something, you know, in the, be <laughs> in the beginnings of it. So, yeah, I, I just love how this tool of evolutionary astrology can help us see like, no, these, these things that you, these, these indicators mean that there's a purpose, there's a reason, a reason behind that. So is, yeah. is, so following along this vein and feel free to continue that if you had more to say, yeah. but I'm curious then how, um, uh, like how are readings, um, in this vein different? Like, do you look at different aspects to guide the evolutionary component or, uh, how does that work? Yeah. So, so just adding like one more thing to what I mm -hmm. was saying is that, you know, this, this really is about having self-compassion for me and teaching people to have self-compassion uh, through an understanding of the birth chart. And that being said, it doesn't mean that, oh, you are how you are, and then you just have to accept it. It's a very um, important distinction to, to say, no, that's, that's not the case. It's that then having this understanding of ourselves, we can choose uh, to enhance the things that are gifts and embrace them as gifts. And we can choose to work constructively against the shadow side or the shadow manifestation, the shadow possibilities of the things in our chart as well, which are also there. Like mm -hmm. it's not all light and love. You know, there is, we aren't just all, you know, light beings ascending to the beyond. You know, we can get into <laughs> <No>. that later. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so we've all got our shadow shit, right? And and I present that as well when I do uh, the readings that here's the high road and the low road, as my teacher Steve always puts it, that, um, you know, here's where we can, can embrace the best of what we are. And then here's where you will have to make choices about uh, not going down a dark road, possibly. But it helps to know that those dark roads are there, you know, mm -hmm. and to be able to shine the flashlight on it and say, okay, well, 
I know that's there, so I don't have to fall into it. It is a choice, even though it's really tempting to go down that road sometimes. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. And aren't some of those um, aren't some of those kind of shadow shadow parts of us or those um, you know the low road sometimes being also seen as like the easy way, right? Because it's yeah. often seen as like downhill. Yeah. Don't those sometimes relate uh, relate to old patterns or kind of past life patterns? Right, in, exactly. In these areas, yeah. So Do this you want is, to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So this is where we get into actually um, the question you had before too of what what is different maybe about how an evolutionary astrologer approaches a chart, what mm -hmm. specific things in the chart are they looking at? We have a strong focus on the nodes, at least in the branch of evolutionary astrology that I follow. Uh, and so the south node is representative of that past life or karmic pattern uh, that is coming to bear in this life to be transmuted, healed, and released. And then the north node, which is always its opposite, it's always at a 180 degrees to the south node, is north node is what we are here to learn to become more of, what we are here to embrace, what, what can lead us away from that dark road of repetition. Because it is actually very easy, like you say, it's the easy road to keep redoing things we've already done before. And it's particularly magnetic, you know, to want to go back into those past life patterns. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we need help. <laughs> you know, we need consciousness. We need understanding of, okay, how do I move away from that now? How do I break out of those old patterns? And that's what the North Node offers an understanding of that North Node offers is how to get out of those old, old patterns, lifetimes old patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems, you know, so important. And I imagine, so just, I'm kind of thinking off the cuff here, you know, the birth chart would give us kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe an overview of that path. And then mm -hmm. each year and the different transits and positions that would just continue to add context. Is that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Yeah. So I love it. Like you said, it's not just like a stationary, like, here's the, here's the thing, you know, it's a, uh, it, it can, it sounds like it can actually be like a, a yearly or even monthly roadmap. Totally. Um, the forecast part, you know, if there's, there's really two uh, things that I lay out when I sit down with somebody to give them a reading is, well, we have the natal chart, which is the chart that does not change. It is your birth chart. That doesn't mean that you don't change. It just means this is the raw materials you came in with and, and we can make different choices around what we do with those materials. But then there is the, the forecasting. Uh, some people say predictive. I don't do prediction, you know, I choose to say forecasting because I'm really looking at the weather, uh, both cosmically, you know, what's going on out there in the sky as it relates to your chart. And then also what's uh, happening with what we call progressions and solar arcs. You know, these are technical terms that refer to the chart as it unfolds from itself, you know, for the individual, what stage of growth are you in? You know, what if we were to say that chart is like a, the birth chart is like the acorn being planted. And then, you know, at age 10, you know, what stage is the tree at now? You know, mm -hmm. we can read that from the progressions and therefore understand more like what does that 
tree need for its growth right now? You know, so it is always moving. Um, and, you know, what I try to do with that, uh, the forecast is say, with your birth chart as the context for all this, you know, we know your soul's uh, intentions for coming in, the soul map, you know, what it is you're here to learn. Right now, what are the big themes that tie into that for you? And how can you best navigate this time? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so then, um, so it sounds like you often then start with, you know, natal chart reading mm-hmm. with someone, I would imagine. And then is it yep. pretty common to do like solar return charts, like yearly kind of mm-hmm. updates, that sort of a thing to help? Yeah, a lot of people do uh, come around their birthday. That's that seems to be a you know powerful time to do it, or the beginning of the year. I'm, January is one of my busiest times because of that. You know, it's like starting off a fresh year. Want to look at the year ahead. You know, it's a perfect mm-hmm. time. Really, any time. You know, is a great. Yeah, time. I'm not just saying that because I want readings, but I, I think it is. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be around your birthday, and it doesn't have to be at the beginning of the year because, in any case, whenever you uh, would come for a reading, I look at the year ahead and sometimes a little beyond that, um, no matter where we start from. Mm-hmm. And really it's arbitrary, but I do on uh, solar returns uh, on people's birthdays. Usually, you know, I, I fold that into the reading mm-hmm. and I use the solar return, which is, um, you know, just for those who don't know, it's a, it's a separate chart that you cast for the moment that the sun returns to when you were born for that year. And the belief is that that chart has, uh, it bodes for the themes of the year. Like where is the sun in that chart? Is it, you know, what house? And it will tell you here's where the spotlighted themes are for the year. Um, And I use that as a, not the main focus of the reading, but often like a supplementary tool to weave into the other themes that are already going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many ways that I want to take this. Um, (laughs) Um, but first let's get a little bit more specific and then I want to indulge some bigger questions. So um, let's see. So I believe, I want to look at my chart. We did a chart reading um, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. Yeah, it was a few weeks. I want to say maybe three weeks. Yeah, it might have been three weeks ago. Okay, so my, so what, so my south node is in Capricorn in the ninth house, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you just like on the cuff, tell, tell us about like, what would that mean? Sure. Um, So Capricorn South node people just, you know, there's two layers to that. There's the sign and the house, but just starting with the sign Mm -hmm. uh, Capricorn South node people have uh, experienced in a past life pattern, um, you know, having, having to take on a huge amount of responsibility in their life, uh, perhaps early on, uh, there could be themes of abandonment, lack of nurturing, um, and this is the past life, right? So we mm-hmm. could weave a story for you in which uh, you you experienced very uh, stark circumstances, and there wasn't a warm and fuzzy nurturer uh, in your life, right? Uh, probably absence could even be absence of one or both parents. Like, you know, I think of an orphan, uh, somebody who was left to fend for themselves. In that situation, you know, a human will often, you know, get very strong and um, self-sufficient and tough, right? You put on this armor Mm -hmm. and the armor is protective and it's to cover up emotions, 
and mm-hmm. it's to push down emotions, right? I'm strong, I'm invulnerable. Okay, so that's a pattern that's starting to get ingrained with that south node in Capricorn. Now with your particular chart, I also blended that with the house placement. And the house placement is something you can only see if you actually have the person's chart in front of, you know, they have to have their chart then. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ninth house is to do with uh, religious beliefs, uh, worldview, philosophy. Um, and so how I, you know, the story that I wove around that was you being perhaps in a very ascetic kind of religious order, if I'm remembering it right. Yep. Uh, and that where, you know, it's abnegation of the senses and, you know, Mm -hmm. self-flagellation perhaps and uh, fasting and praying and being on your knees and, you know, that kind of a lifestyle, which has extreme lack of physical comfort, extreme lack of feminine presence. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I got that from your chart as well. It's like the absence of the feminine, the, the, Mm -hmm. the good mother, the positive you know, archetype of the mother. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you toughened up real hard, um, (laughs) probably coming in and you came in like, okay, I'm going to just be by myself and take on the world by myself and I can do everything myself. And so what often happens is someone, you know, we all come in with, with that, um, that soul's memory of what happened, but we don't remember it consciously. Right. Of course, we would go crazy if we could remember all our past lives consciously. So we come in and we, but we have an emotional memory of what went on. It's still mm-hmm. in our soul. Mm-hmm. And so you feel, what do, you know, what does that do to your soul? You feel lonely, mm-hmm. you feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. You feel like I can't show my feelings because it's not safe. Mm-hmm. I can't be vulnerable because it's not safe. Mm-hmm. And that those patterns often show up in the childhood of this life meaning with no fault on you or your soul. It's like your soul just magnetically draws in a similar situation uh, that recreates some elements of that past life as well. So people will often say to me, oh, that is what happened in my childhood too. Like that's right because you still carried it in when you were born and it just, we create what feels familiar on a soul level. Now this is not a conscious manifestation. You didn't say, I'm going to choose to be born into a family that treats me that way. It's a soul level. Yeah. Uh, you know, decision. Yeah. Well, and it's just, I it's just, so, you know, I've re- reflected on this story since you, uh, since you told it to me um, and it resonated so much. So number one, I see myself going back into these patterns when I'm feeling vulnerable. So sure. I'll just be like, I don't need anyone. I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, um, and I, on a previous podcast, I described the healing experience I had where my, like the little girl part of me was like, hi, I'm really lonely, you know, yeah. and we worked through that. And then I'm currently um, leading a book club in my membership group where we're um, going through Miriam Greenspan's Healing Through the Dark Emotions. I love that book. Right. It's yeah. just amazing. And so in, in part of um, one of her early chapters, she's talking about emotion phobia and, and how, you know, we as a culture are afraid of emotions. Yep. And she kind of mentions in passing, um, uh, she's, I think she's talking about a story, um, like a, an actual story of one of the, the people remembering that her mother said, 
don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, oh, my mother said that. Mm. I remember my mm-hmm. mother saying that to me. Mm. And so that same, you know, that same narrative that you wove was exactly what <laughs> happened in my childhood. It was not okay for me to show emotion yeah, or something really bad would happen. Well, and so that's the very um, lesson that you yeah. are here to learn with the North Node in Cancer. And this yeah. is where the opposite comes in is cancer is all about feeling and yeah. it's all about expressing those feelings and being in touch with and connected to your emotional body um, and caring for yourself and nurturing for yourself and allowing others to care for and nurture you, receiving that mm-hmm. on a really deep level, not just saying, oh yeah, you know, I'll ask for help if I need it. Like, no, really asking for and receiving help and nurturance when you need it mm-hmm. uh, and not doing the self-sufficiency game all the time mm-hmm. and not being tough all the time. But, but it's a challenge, isn't it? Because when you were a kid, that's it, the message you got is, again, it's not safe to, to cry, to show my feelings, to show weakness. So this is why we're here. Mm-hmm. It's to grow and sometimes to grow, we are presented with challenges. In fact, that is the definition of growth is, you know, it's a response to challenge. Absolutely. That's how we evolve, right? That's how yeah. anything evolves is we have to adapt to something. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then we grow. Yes. Yes. So that, you know, that like knowing that in my chart makes so much sense um, in terms of, you know, what I would consider different hardships and how I've over overcome them. Like there, there's definitely that theme of that um, South and North, North node working themselves out. Yeah. So it's such a beautiful context. The other thing that I found just really, it's something that's really stuck with me from the reading is we were, I think you were talking about um, like my, the relationship area of my chart. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I kind of run into a lot in my practice. And so I'd love for you to speak to this, but you were talking about in my chart based on, you know, the different, um, placements of things that, you know, based on the chart, these, you kind of said, these are your basic requirements. You require a partner who is this and this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me, and I hear clients say this all the time, like, well, does that exist? Like that doesn't even exist. (laughs) And do you remember what you said? Uh, I think I probably said something along the lines of if, if it's in your chart, yes, it does exist. Like your chart isn't there as a cruel joke. That's one. Yeah. 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 So like, can we, can we all just sit with that for a minute? Because there's something I think really revolutionary to that idea Mm -hmm. that if this exists, you know, in our chart, you know, even if it's, we could even potentially extrapolate that if this is something that we feel we need. Yeah. It exists. Yes. That's, yes. Such a key um, point and something that I find myself saying to people all the time that have the exact same response that you had to the relationship stuff. Because when I lay out for people that, okay, you're, you know, I look at the eighth house, for example, and Venus and the seventh house, um, all as you know, uh, connecting to relationship and relationship needs and who you attract in, et cetera. 
but particularly the eighth house uh, as being an indicator of, well, what do you really need in an intimate partnership? What kind of, what type of person? Not what sign are they? You know, some people go off on that track. That doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. um, their whole chart matters maybe, but, you know, not their sun sign, no. But it's like, what type of person do you need? What do you, what are the basic qualities you need in order to be able to connect intimately, emotionally and or physically with mm-hmm. someone? And some people say, well, gosh, that sounds like some magical list that I couldn't possibly have. And so I'm just been settling for these bozos. It's like, well... I don't think that that's how it works. You know, I just don't think that whoever's up there doing this thing is goddess, God, you know, both, whatever, yeah. are sitting there like creating our charts so that we'll be dissatisfied perpetually for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I, I don't think it works that way either. Yeah. No. But, yeah. But it was just so refreshing. I had never, you know, whenever I'm giving a reading, I'm like, well, clearly this exists, but then in my cognitive mind, right, yeah. which is so tempered by cultural conditioning, right, you know, and the, you know, the feminist part of me too, and just like, and maybe this is not the feminist part of me, this is more the um, frustrated part of me, yeah. <laughs> right, is like this, this does not exist, but, but that's, I just love that so much, I mean, you, you know, applying that to all of the different parts of the chart, yeah, right, career, yep. Um, you know, yep. career, purpose, all that sort of thing. It was like this, this exists. Yes. Because it must. Because it must, because you were born with these, uh, these desires, needs, aspirations um, within you. And you were born uh, with the ability to achieve, to achieve the highest end of your birth chart. I think, you know, we all are born with that. Um, we make choices along the way. We all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all, you know, do things that, um, you know, dis- do a disservice to ourselves. And some of that too comes from, I think, self-worth um, issues, particularly for women, the, the I can't possibly have syndrome, you know, dot, yeah. dot, dot. Uh, yeah, which is, I mean, yeah. so culturally driven in, uh, you yep. know, I really believe. And um, yeah, absolutely. We're, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just feel like, you know, this, um, this system and the kind of the beliefs that drive the system of astrology are, are really holding a place in our culture that for so many of us, it, we are so disconnected, right? Because so many of us, particularly us white uh, people, and, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really speaking for myself and the white people that I know, so please don't take this to mean all the white people and none of the other people, but mm-hmm. um, really disconnected from our ancestral stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Really disconnected from the beliefs, um, you know, narratives, mythology, stories that would anchor mm-hmm. us and hold us as we try to move through this crazy game of life. And instead, what's kind of perpetuated in our, in our culture is this like individualism you know, this like hyper individualistic, you know, I have to be everything and do everything. And if I, if I fail, it's because I didn't do something, Yeah, you know, it's all on me all the time. Right. Um, and so I just, I, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about the concepts of this practice, I think that some of the beliefs around them can be really stabilizing. Mm-hmm. It is an ancient, uh, 
magic. You know, it's an ancient system. Um, it's we used to have mystery schools, right? Yes. We used to have uh, places where we went, particularly women, to learn this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. to learn how to work with the planetary energies, to learn how to follow the moon, to learn how to connect to nature through the planets. And that sometimes also is forgotten that, I mean, the, the planets for me uh, and working with astrology, it's, it's all about connection back to nature. The stars exactly. and the planets, they're nature. We're made of them. We're all organic matter and we're all connected. And so this is, it is very stabilizing. It is very comforting to realize that there's, there's an order to things and it is nature. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One of the lifelong practices that I've had, I think just for my love of nature is just observing, Yeah. you know, sitting outside and observing the way that nature works and being able to see how those patterns are reflected in my life or give me answers in my life. And I've realized that that's not, um, I I was like, Oh, people don't do that. (laughs) So I was like, how do like everybody, you know? Um, but those, I think that that's that combination of me loving nature and then being involved in these, you know, in these mysteries and just craving something that I could connect to. Yes. Yep. So something that I'm really curious about. Um, so how long have you been doing this practice? It is going on 20 years next year. Oh my gosh. Since I started charging for readings. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, it is pretty incredible. Um, I, it feels like just yesterday. I mean, the time really does go fast. They say as you get older. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started when I was at my, my Saturn return, essentially, and now I'm almost 50 and, uh, you know, I'm like, wow, this is, it's been a life's a big chunk of my life devoted to this. Yeah. And, you know, what led to it was a lifelong interest in it. Uh, just always, always, you know, since I was a kid mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to have the exposure to it through my parents who were both like very esoteric bohemian, you know, when I was that age. And then my mom went on to, on her fundamentalist Christian stint for a few years. And I was like, okay, you go do that. I'm going to stay here with astrology (laughs) (laughs) hidden in the corner. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. That could be a whole other podcast. Um, Uh (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I'm, what I'm really curious about, so I have this theory and um, I would love for you to indulge me here, but I, you know, I think this is partly like I work with sensitive people, so I attract mm-hmm. sensitive people, mm-hmm. but you said something earlier about, you know, having, um, you know, sensitive indicators within mm-hmm. um, different, different birth charts and how that can be really affirming yeah. for those of us who are sensitive and feel different. So I, I have a theory that, I mean, I know that high sensitivity is still about 20% of the population, but I have this theory that, that, that sen- like more sensitivity is being needed in the world. Um, and I'm just kind of curious what you've seen over the 20 years in terms of um, sensitivity, you know, empathic mm-hmm. people, you know, um, anything that you see just in like a shift in how... Um, humans are coming in or mm-hmm. I, I know this is a really meta question, but um, take it, take it where you would like to. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that occurs to me, you know, as, as you say that is I think about um, what I look at in the chart as indicators perhaps of, of 
higher sensitivity. I mean, and I guess we could caveat, you know, what is the definition of that? But um, I look at, you know, high portion of water signs presence, particularly Pisces, Mm -hmm. but also the other two, Cancer and Scorpio. Mm -hmm. I look at a lot of Neptune aspects, you know, Mm -hmm. Neptune making big connections in the chart to more than a few planets. Um, So those are a couple things. 12th house emphasis Mm -hmm. also. Um, So, you know, when I see any of those patterns, I might say to a person, well, you, uh, you might have experienced in your life and continue to experience the ability to see, perceive, hear things that other people don't, and that you can work with that uh, more um, in, in more harmony, perhaps than you're doing right now, or that you, uh, you may have, this may have troubled you in the past, but there's a different way to look at it, you know, as gift, you know, I'm kind of giving the gift that I was given when I had that insight. And so what I'm noticing is people's responses are changing. Mm. When I was first doing readings, there was way more resistance to that. People would say, oh no, I'm not, I'm not psychic. Like they didn't, they thought I was saying they were psychic like, I'm not really saying you're psychic, which they might have also been, but that's a whole other thing. You know, so people had some pushback or some resistance, or maybe they did not identify or didn't even realize that they were sensitive or highly sensitive. And I wouldn't argue with them, but I'd say, you know, I got maybe push back on that perception a little bit and have maybe you take some things for granted that have always been a part of your experience but uh, let's take a fresh look at it now, see how you might use it more going forward. Mm-hmm. So what I've seen over time is less resistance showing up and more people being excited and saying, oh, you see me like, oh yeah, that has been my experience. Oh yeah, I, I am extremely sensitive and here's what I am struggling with about that or way more talking about it, way more admission of it. I think before... And I'm thinking back maybe 10 years in before, mm-hmm. there was still that feeling of like it's an admission of weakness. Yes. There. Mm-hmm. And now people are more becoming more ready, more and more ready to say, oh, this is just part of who I am. What can I do with it? Like mm-hmm. help, help a little, but mm-hmm. what can I do with it? You know? Mm-hmm. So it is changing. It has changed for oh, sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for validating my theories. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Glad I could help. So, you know, something that um, I want to talk about too. So you mentioned a bit of like what you call fear-mongering astrology. Can, yeah. we, can you talk about that? Feel free to get on as tall of a soapbox as you <laughs> need to. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a tricky one because, you know, I don't like to sow any more divisiveness within the astrological community than there already is. And I don't think it's helpful for us to all start arguing with each other because there's so much uh, opposition from the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I will say, I notice uh, a lot of things on social media that people will send to me. I'm not out there looking for this, but people, friends, clients will send to me and say, have you seen this? Should I be worried about this? And it's things like the next blood moon is going to be a shit show and it's going <laughs> to take you down. It's like, 
Um, I think that there's a lot of hyped and over and very sensationalized uh, stuff mm-hmm. out there. Um, and I, you know, I couldn't even name you names and I would never anyway, but it, mm-hmm. it, it's not even particular astrologers, maybe people who aren't even astrologers are out there mm-hmm. doing this that are mm-hmm. just kind of throwing stuff around. And the problem is, uh, well, it contributes to this, you know, the fear mongering, the, um, and, and, and planning in people's heads, the idea that astrology is something to be afraid of, which you know, that also has changed over my nearly 20 years of doing this, that more people were a little scared of it, you know, when I started. Now that's less the case, but it's playing into that old mindset that, oh, it's, it's dooming, you know, it's going to tell you your future and your future sucks. So <laughs> it's really not helpful, but there's quite a bit of garbage out there, you know, and I will say that. And it's, um, and I've had to do cleanup after a few uh, astrologers in the past who said things like, this is the date you're going to die. Uh, you're never going to. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just, okay. Yeah. I'm just this gonna... is, or things like you're never, you're, you know, your house of marriage is doomed because you have Saturn in your seventh house. So you're, you're not going to get married or Saturn's in your fifth house. So you're never going to have kids or, you know, that, that's what I'm talking about when I say fear mongering astrology, yeah. you know, yeah. on the, in the natal chart level of, of readings and that happens. It is not, not by any stretch, the, the majority, it's a very, very small portion, but it's there. And I, I want to address it because I want people to know that not all astrology is the same and you may have to really use your discernment, mm-hmm. um, and really look around really, you know, listen to different astrologers, read different things, go to a lot of different places to figure out what you believe and what resonates with you. Yeah. You know, I, cause actually I see the, I see the same thing in the psychic community. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of cleanup as well. Yep. Um, and I, the thing that I come back to and the thing that I teach my students in my school is that you are reading energies. That's all you're doing. If you are making assumptions or giving advice, you have just stepped outside of your job description. Mm-hmm. instead, and I imagine that astrology is, is similar. It's like you are reading the energies that avail- that are available, the potential roads that people could go down, that kind of the tone of each of those roads, and then helping, you know, you know, helping them make the decisions that yeah. they want to make in order to reach their goals based on what's available. Right. right? And so I get pretty, I get pretty, mm, I was going to say pissed off. I get pretty, you know, upset with, when there's, um, you know, in, in my, in my line of work, psychics out there saying, well, this, this will happen. And then this will happen. And then, and, and, and granted, there could be some psychics who see that way. And that's a different way than I see, um, in the way that, that my field works at least. And and what I'm kind of hearing from you is that, like you said, we're forecasting, we're reading what's available. We're seeing some of the roads that we can go down. And I, you know, as long as I stay within my job description, then I'm not creating, you know, uh, I'm not doing fear mongering. I'm just, this is what's here. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, this is going to be the storm that kills everyone instead of it's going to be stormy. (laughs) Right. You may want an umbrella, you know, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how, I, you know, I guess the basic question a reader can always ask themselves is, and what I about to say empowering, uh, will it empower or will it disempower? Yep. Yeah. I teach my students the same thing. And, and the kind of the way I phrase it, like, is what you're going to say healing? Yeah. That actually helpful. Not that we're painting everything with love and light, but the way that we speak to clients is really important where the way that we put information out is really important. So I, yeah, yeah, I just love that, that you bring that up. I love that you bring that up. And, you know, and just, just to, you know, say too, it's a, it's a continual learning curve for me and a struggle to always use the right language, you know? Oh yeah. For all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's hard to be that precise with your language and also, um, continually be thinking about, okay, how, how is this going to land, you know, on the other side? And so that's one of the things that astrologers, uh, all healers, you know, readers become good at with practice. Uh, and that's, there's really no other way by which that comes other than through practice and, and some trial and error. And so if you feel like if you're out there, you know, doing readings and you feel like, oops, I blew it on that one, you know, so have I, Oh, totally. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't want to be holier than thou and say like, I always get it right. Like I know that I've said things in readings that in the past that I may now look back and think, Ooh, you know, maybe I should have said that differently and I could have said it better. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. I probably got a little too soapboxy there. So the same (laughs) way, the only reason that I have learned this is from trial and error. And you could say learning to evolve my language um, and continuing to you know, evolve my language. To refine it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, So you have a really cool gift for our Patreon listeners. Um, Would you like to share a little bit what that is? I'm really excited for this. (laughs) Yeah. So it is a handy dandy guide to working with the lunar phases. Uh, It's called working with the moon and it's each of the lunar phases for each of them, you know, what is the nature of it? What's the energy of it? And then what are some suggested activities for that lunar phase? And so if you follow the moon already, this will be great. And even if you don't, you can easily do so by working with a a calendar that shows the moon phases. You know, I use the wee moon. I don't know how many people are familiar with that. Um, there's, there's many others, you know, there's the Llewellyn calendar. There's anything that shows a picture of the moon, you know, that tells you, okay, this is what the moon looks like right now and what Mm -hmm. phase it's in. That's going to help you to tap into it on a, you can use this on a daily level because the moon actually changes phases, um, often, you know, it changes. So it has its full lunar cycles about 29 days and so at the halfway mark of that is the full moon and the halfway mark between the new and the full is the quarter moon and the halfway mark between that is the the crescent moon so it's broken down into those eight phases and it will help you to build some practices in that you can do and why this is uh, useful for me and why i think people find it helpful is it's a form of self-care it's a form of being able to say oh the moon is dark right now i'm tired maybe that's why, maybe I should take care of myself right now instead of trying to push through this project that I want to get done, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. I'll wait till closer to the full moon to really work on that hard part of the project when, I, when there's more energy available. Yeah. So it's a really good thing to tap into. 
That makes so much sense. Yeah. It's when I used to trip before I had my son, I tracked the moon and I want to, it's a thing I, along with many other things I want to start doing now that my son's getting a little bit older, but I always found it so helpful because it was, again, it was a way to add a little bit of a grid to what, what felt like chaos. Yep. It felt like emotional or energetic chaos. And it's like, oh no, like the moon's just doing that thing. And like, clearly I'm just sensitive to the moon because I have mm-hmm. both Scorpio and Pisces in my chart, as you know. <laughs> uh-huh. I do know. You do know. <laughs> I was not surprised to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After listening to your podcast for a while, I'm like, oops, yep, I'm here in that Scorpio. Yeah, yep, there I am. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. And so that's available to patrons at the $2 level or above. So that's going to be really super fun. So so tell, tell everybody where we can find you and any cool fa- offerings you have or things you have coming up. We'd love to here? Yeah. So uh, I am at dinadecastro.com. That's where you can find me. Um, At that site, I do have, if you uh, do sign up for my list, a free gift there as well uh, on the nodes. So if you want to know your node sign, uh, that that, uh, booklet will help you to figure it out just by looking at your birth date, finding it, and then figuring out your sign. And it tells you all about uh, the nodes in your chart. So that's there. Um, I do readings. I do one-on-one readings and I am open for scheduling that. Um, And I also offer mentorship, one-on-one mentorship for those who want to um, learn about astrology, whether you're, you know, beginner to intermediate level or even beyond. I work with people at all levels who want to develop their their, uh, particular voice in doing readings. That's really what I specialize in is helping people to take all of that book knowledge and the the learning and then say, well, then what do I want to say about that in the chart and how do I say it? Um, You know, it's, it's, that's the most challenging leap, you know, that people often take into doing readings is taking all that book knowledge and then being able to say something from your own uh, heart and soul, you know, about the chart in front of you. So I work with people one-on-one doing that. That's awesome. I get people all the time who are like, I'd love to do this more. So now I know where to send them. That's fantastic. Oh, great. Well, you know, you know, I always finish with this last question. So I'm going to ask this to you. What is the one thing you would like our listeners to know? Mm. That astrology is a means of healing and that it isn't at all uh, meant to put you in a box or to predict your future, but it is there to help you make decisions on your road of life. Thank you so much for this conversation. I feel super honored to be able to get to interview you. So thank you for being here. Oh, you're so welcome, Anna. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.